Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC. Hey, hey, everybody, it's Jackie King, and we are back for another episode of At The Table. I'm so glad that you're choosing to join us again for another conversation of women in ministry in the SBC. I get to invite on a friend from way back. We've gotten to do ministry um, together back in Texas for a little bit, and then we kind of parted separate ways. We're both in separate states now, and so I'm really excited to introduce to you my old friend, Tiffany Smith. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jackie. It's so good to be here. I know. It's so good to see you. And we were talking before we were recording. You were blonde when I knew you, and you were yeah. no longer blonde. <laughs> no, now I've got like 14 different colors going on. I think it's the midlife it. crisis thing, trying to cope with the gray. <laughs> Tell me, what was it called again, all of the colors? Metallic sunset. So I mean, come on. Gray at the top, and then sunset colors all throughout. So How fun is blue. that? I love it. And that's a great way to spice up quarantine and this COVID season, is just bring in all the bright colors and I love it. It's really fun. (laughs) Well, I'm really glad to have you. Um, You have been one of those women that I think I've gotten to kind of watch God um, just grow you. You're a little bit ahead of me um, just in life. And so I've loved getting to watch you. I mean, I think you were doing seminary whenever we first met and getting your education and taking all of those steps, serving at the state level there in Texas. And now you're at NAM. And so I'm really excited just to share your story as well as so much of your leadership insights. So why don't you tell us a little bit about just you? Where are you recording from? Where did you grow up? Some of those fun get to know you questions. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in Port Lavaca, Texas, which is right on the coast and um, small town and just a country kind of life. So there's parts of that that I miss. I'm currently in just outside of Atlanta. I moved here specifically not for NAM, even though NAM is is close. <laughs> I moved here specifically to um, learn about urban church planting, to be a part of Blueprint Church, to grow in that area because I work with so many church planters that are in urban, difficult urban settings, and I just didn't have that exposure where I was in Texas, mm-hmm. uh, you know, real life up close. So I moved here just to kind of be like a missionary and learn like a missiologist and learn on the field. And so, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. I love it. Okay. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, cause from Texas and then now you're in Georgia. So tell me a little bit about just kind of your call to ministry. I know that, um, you know, education was a big part of your development and growth and, and just kind of your training. So tell me a little bit about just your story and being a woman called to ministry. Yeah, so I I felt the Lord stirring something in me when I was in college, particularly towards missions. And I came out of the non-denominational background, so I didn't have any exposure to NAM or IMB or cooperative program. Like I didn't know any of that. Mm-hmm. I just knew God was calling me overseas. So I researched all these different groups and different um, pathways to serve overseas. And 
when I discovered the Baptist cooperative program, I'm like, this is genius. This is like, <laughs> now I don't know that I would have said I became a Christian or a Baptist because of the CP. Mm-hmm. I would say that that was the reason why I became Baptist so that I could go on mission because I thought the strategy was genius. Yeah. And it is, it is, it is one of the strongest parts of our tribe. Yes. So that's kind of how I got called into um, missions and ministry. So for much of my life, I thought it was going to be serving overseas. And then the Lord um, kind of repositioned me here um, to reach people groups and think missiologically here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was kind of surprised by that, but obviously um, being a catalyst is is kind of fun and mobilizing others to all different places. So that's fun. I love it. All right. Well, let's dig into some of maybe even those early interactions whenever you first got to Georgia and you're really taking on, just like you said, the, a different culture, like the way they do church is different. Urban ministry has very different and unique challenges as opposed to maybe somebody in the suburbs or rural. So let's talk about just the role of women in church planning and maybe kind of starting off those first couple months, years, like what was really different? that really maybe even kind of surprised you in those in those first couple of months oh here in Atlanta yes um I knew that it was going to be a huge culture shift for me um coming from Texas to um downtown you know downtown area Atlanta even though I'm just on the outskirts um so I kind of in my mind mentally prepared just like I did when I served overseas um you know you you give it a year for culture shock mm-hmm. and two years minimum. And then usually by year three, you're actually acclimated and in, in doing ministry well. And so I kind of had that mindset coming in. So there was no, no um, question in my mind, oh, I'm going to leave. I'm going to bail. I'm going to go home. It mm-hmm. was, you know, I'm going to learn the culture. I'm going to um, be present and be in it um, for a minimum of two to three years, maybe five, and then we'll see where God calls um, me next. But I would say some of the challenges um, have been expected, you know, as far as differences in worldview and obviously so many different people groups, mm-hmm. you know, just at my grocery store. Um, and then the the cultural Christianity, which is common from where I was from as well. Um, and then just the, you know, the deep needs of the communities. Um, but I will say something that's been super surprising um, to me has just been um, the the community on my street in my neighborhood, tight, tight community. I, th- mm-hmm. I would say I'm closer to my neighbors here in just, you know, just a little over a year than I, than I was 15 years in my previous home in Texas. And it's not to slight the neighbors. I think it's just a different, a different way of being and, and doing life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a need here especially on my street, there's been a lot of crime and drive-by shootings. I mean, we're talking, you know, real up close and personal urban crime. And so there's a deep need for us to have each other's phone numbers, to check on each Mm. other, to love each other well, to be with each other, to watch over each other. So um, I think that that need has brought a community very, very close together. So Mm. I've I've enjoyed that part. That is so cool. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, I love how you're even saying, and 
I mean, you're not necessarily saying it, you know, but there's, you need them just as much as they need you, you know, like there is a mutual, we need to check on one another. We need to be for one another. And, um, and so I love just that picture that even you're willing to, um, you know, step into and be vulnerable and be part of a community just like um, they need and you need that as well. And so um, I think that's such a beautiful picture of you going in and embracing exactly what they're in the middle of, you know, and, and they their environment, their heart, their um, fears probably are the same things that you're taking on and then y'all are walking with it together. So yeah. I love that. Yeah, um, something um, my pastor said to me that was pretty striking when I first moved in after my first drive-by shooting, he, he was he was asking how I was okay. And I was, yeah, you know, I'm coping with it, you know, because of the fear, you know, getting over that. Yeah. And he said, you have an opportunity to be the person of peace instead of looking for the person of peace. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, that's really true because I had an opportunity to minister to neighbors in fear and concern and in a time of need um, that they weren't used to having people walk in, you know, mm -hmm. and, and help them in that way. So right. it's been good. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's really cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, cause I know a big heartbeat of yours is church planning. And even, um, I think you said the Lydia's in church planting. So going back to the church of Philippi and, um, our girl Lydia from Acts and how she was one of those first women to really build this church and was foundational to this church. And you're getting to kind of do that in a modern day context there in outside of Atlanta. So let's talk a little bit about the role of women in church planning and almost kind of celebrate like what unique opportunities do we have? What do you see women doing? And then I know you have a big part of just encouraging and equipping women to kind of own that role. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about the Lydia's that you're seeing um, in church right now. Well, I love the story of Lydia. I mean, it's not, you know, huge. It's just a glimpse of her story, but she's a businesswoman. She's likely single. She was, her husband wasn't mentioned. Um, she used her home to gather the church. I mean, she just is just, I can't wait to meet her because yeah. she just was on the forefront of ministry. The, you know, she was the first one that, you know, the first convert in, in that area when Paul and, and the guys went in, um, to minister to people and share the gospel. So her influence for the kingdom was just magnificent. And I just love her example. And so I honestly did not have a, a passion or a heart for church planning until I took a class at seminary because I thought church planning sounded boring. Like mm -hmm. even when I was at the state convention working with my favorite church planning folk, um, I just I just was very um, taken by the overseas stuff and mm. didn't realize how fun and adventurous and, and important and vital church planning here is too in our country. And it's just as challenging and diverse and pioneering and exciting mm. and wonderful and miraculous as overseas. Um, and so I, my heart was kind of captivated by um, that here in the States as well. And just trying to, to help churches have a vision for multiplication, not just addition, you know, mm. not just building their church, but um, developing leaders to go out and be sent. And that would include women. So, yeah. you know, women are half or more of the church population. So, you know, how, how can we creatively think about, um, 
bringing in the Lydia's to the table, how can we utilize those gifts for the kingdom? Women are mm-hmm. uniquely positioned, uh, you know, in strategic areas of neighborhoods, schools, marketplaces. They have influence in in places where guys do not. And so, even when we look at you know, a church planning couple, the wife is just as important Mm -hmm. as the guy, you know, she's doing her thing too. And in reaching people and serving as a missionary, you just in that same place. So I would love for us to start reframing church planning away from just that one church planter to the whole church, Mm -hmm. because everybody's got a part in it. You know, everybody, the women can lead other women, they can lead teams, they can lead outreach. So you asked me, what are some creative of ways that we're seeing women in church planning. Gosh, core team members, spouse care, assessment directors, catalyst mobilizers, researchers, missiologists. I mean, I could go on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, limitless um, there because pioneering nature of church planting um, just allows for such creativity and yeah. using the, the gifts of the women. So I love that. Yeah, I do too. And I love how you're just highlighting a lot of just the unique roles that God has given to women and the giftings that he's given them in order to leverage them toward the church, leverage them toward um, various communities. And I even think um, even breaking that mold, kind of like how you talked about, you know, I was a GA girl growing up. And for so long, I think missions was just constantly like Africa or across the sea, you know, those kind of things. And so I think even just having the conversation up there is so much ministry that has to be done here um, in our own communities. And it looks different, you know, in the same way that we have to study and know a culture and know a community overseas. That's the same exact thing that's happening here. And so I love how you're just kind of even undoing a little bit, I think of just maybe what was consistently kind of passed down or even talked about just within the category of mission, you know, that it's broad. It's super broad. And so we are all on mission and that looks different. And so I love how you're kind of raising to the top, like, all right, women, where are you gifted and where do you get to leverage that to the church? So here's something that I'm kind of curious about just being a woman in ministry. Um, you know, church planning, I think even you kind of hinted on it was very much like a male dominated conversation. Um, but obviously the need to have women coming alongside and helping do that ministry is absolutely there. So for women that are maybe a part of a church plant or, I mean, really anything, how do they develop? So maybe they're really inspired by Lydia or they're inspired by your story as well. And they're saying, okay, yes, I do have these gifts. I do have this passion to reach my community. How do they develop? Like, what does that look like? And maybe what are some of the things that you're seeing y'all are emphasizing at NAM? Um, just even within your process at Blueprint, I mean, I don't know, like what steps are you seeing women take to really own their position in ministering and being a part of Lydia, the modern day Lydia? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I would say the first thing would be to kind of own your own self-growth. You know, Jenny Catron famous for saying, you know, we need to lead ourselves well so that we can lead others better. So for me, there's not like a you know, a printed path, you know, do A, B, and C to grow. I think, you know, if, if we decide, okay, I'm going to look for opportunities to grow in this skill or this um, particular gift or, or this 
area of ministry, um, then we, if we take ownership of that and we, we make it an intentional practice um, to explore and discover and learn and grow, then this sort of is a foundational framework of how God, you know, can cultivate our character and, mm-hmm. and we commit to lifelong learning and we can develop, you know, disciplines. So I think growing as a leader um, a lot of it has to do with just our, you know, our intentional choice to do that and um, to look for people to connect to, mm-hmm. um, to look for those opportunities. I think school, you know, seminary can be one of those things, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. You know, it, it does, it, it's not a requirement. I would say, though, um, as a female in leadership, the seminary degree has helped me greatly mm. um, where th- that sometimes is the only reason why I've been asked in the room. You know, mm. um, otherwise they would have asked somebody else. So in in some sense, I think that it is very, very valuable. And if you have an opportunity to do that, if you feel that God's calling you into that, you know, go for it. Um, and, and it doesn't have to, you know, be rushed or anything like that. You know, take your time. I mean, we're not <laughs> on a, you know, we're, we're in a race, but um, we're always learning. Yeah. I think I was just having a conversation. She's a young leader in SBC um, and just serving in phenomenal ways. And um, we were kind of talking about seminary, you know, and those kind of things. And she said that one of the local staff guys um, would kind of... um, how do I want to say this? Like not be incredibly kind or supportive and just say, how much seminary have you had, you know, and those kind of things. And so I think it's interesting. And I know this is maybe a little bit off topic, um, but I think it's really important to say seminary is not needed. Like, right. Like you can go and minister and serve in ginormous ways for the Lord. But there's also the element of wanting to be developed and even expecting to be developed as women the same way that our brothers are, you know, and being able to kind of enter a room and have that conversation, um, both with education, both with formation and all of those things. So, and I know, um, you know, can you actually share just to kind of give some context, what are your degrees? Like what, what education path did you take? So, um, I did get my MDiv at Southwestern, and then um, later, years later, I went ahead and got a doctorate. Mostly, I'll be honest, mostly because I was single and bored, and I love learning. <laughs> and so I thought, hey, you know, yeah. I was at this state convention level. Everybody else had one, and I thought, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I can do this, you know. And I was interested in in the study. It was missional leadership, and so it it was valuable to what mm-hmm. I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really didn't know the impact that it would have on opening doors for opportunities. Mm -hmm. So it really, you know, so I did it mostly just for personal learning and, and, you know, interest, but then it really does in it has opened doors for me to serve in places and be in spaces that I wouldn't normally. So, you know, I do think that there, there is a time where God will use those things to, to cross over barriers Mm. there sometimes there are people who you know have kind of an expectation of you know learning or, or schooling or experience and it is helpful to think about those things and and I've told women in the past if you feel called 
into ministry and you know if you have the ability to do it and you have a passion um it won't hurt you it, mm-hmm. it will only up, open opportunities you know yes. and you just don't know where it will lead because yes. really that second degree led me into the church planning world like mm-hmm. that was when i went back to the state convention guys and i started saying hey what y'all are doing sounds kind of fun you know yeah. <laughs> tell me yeah. Tell me about like, you know, and then I started digging in a little bit more. And then I started, I was a part of a core team on a church plant. Then I started thinking, oh, this is really cool. This is missiology here, you know. And so mm-hmm. I know I'm just a little slow to the the conversation sometimes. They were just down the hall for me and I was <laughs> so focused overseas. But so. I love, I love your story. And I completely echo that. Like, I think um, I consistently get, you know, just younger women kind of asking like, well, what do I read or what, you know, steps do I take? And again, seminary is not the only way, but we have six phenomenal seminaries and the the opportunities that are opening up for women and um, the new degrees that are coming for us I mean they are working hard to develop us and so I think there's something to celebrate and really champion women to where if you're on the fence and if you can lean just a little bit like just take one class Mm -hmm. um, there's so much development not only cognitively but then those connections that you make with your classmates and the interaction with the men that are in your class and having help healthy dialogue in that. They need that just as much as you need that. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I want to really kind of throw that on the table. I know we've talked about it um, a while ago on an episode, but I just, I think it's a really great opportunity to just get your feet wet and take a class or two and see what God does with that. Because I really do think there's so much development and connection Mm -hmm. and affirming in our gifts that come with you taking that step. So I think so too. And I think that on the, on the flip side of it, we do have opportunities like with what you mentioned, people we work with, um, people that we rub shoulders with, people in the marketplace even. You can learn leadership mm-hmm. principles, some of the best leadership principles, you know, from, from secular folk. And then yeah. business thought leaders like Simon Sinek, Tom Chi, you know, they just are amazing. And I just, I can take some of their ideas and contextualize it to the missiological situation that we're in and mm. and and use it for the kingdom. So yeah. you know good principles are good principles and, yeah. and not to be limited to one arena. That is something early on in my leadership, one of my friends, you know, I was my role was kind of narrow in, in one season. Not bad. Just there were so many other things I was interested in, people groups and this or that. And and one of my friends said, you know, you don't have to just play in one arena, Tiffany. You can you can play in other sandboxes. And mm-hmm. and I was like, oh yeah. And so I'm very intentional about connecting with other networks, about reaching the nations for the US, creating missional movement discovering best practices for cross-cultural evangelism. So even though that's not my job, I still go to exponential just for personal growth. Mm -hmm. And even though it's not my job, I'm still very involved in, you know, a hundred movements, you know? So I think that, you know, if, if you see um, an 
area or a passion that you have, start connecting with others who have that same passion yeah. And, yeah. and just kind of learn from them, you know, men be mentored by them. I'm yeah. constantly growing just by the people I'm around. Yeah, I agree. And it's so encouraging. And I think hopefully those of you that are listening, you're like, okay, I just need to do it. Like, I just need to take that next step, whether it's finding somebody um, in our network Facebook group and just throwing it out there and saying, okay, this is something I'm passionate about. Who else has done this for a little bit and connecting that way? Or maybe it is signing up for that seminary course or even checking out some of the certificates that's maybe not as in like involved, but you're still getting some training and getting your appetite wet for what it looks like to be developed in theology and in doctrines and in practice. And so we really hope that this is a great conversation for those of you that are kind of leaning like, okay, what's next? Take that next step, whatever that might look like. So, um, so good. So good. All right, girlfriend. One of the things that you actually just mentioned that I think you have such a heart for are those women in leadership that are single. And I mean, so much of the conversation, and I think we do it no, I think we do it on purpose a lot of times. Like the church just frames a lot of things around couples or families. And clearly that's not everybody, you know, and that's not everybody's life season. So I want to talk a little bit about just being a woman in leadership that is single. And what has that looked like for you? What has that felt like for you? And how can the church and how can other women leaders really do better in this area? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult it's hard to to express um so i think the church's value for family is so deep that what's happened is that we frame everything through that lens and unfortunately um we've got half the population or more are single mm -hmm. and when we look at the church we don't see a reflection of of that demographic at all um, very very small um, especially as you get older because you don't really fit you know mm -hmm. you don't fit in that nuclear family um, uh, you know paradigm so it has been hard I mean singleness in the church is not easy it really you know I'll just straight up tell you it's not yeah. because you know I've been in places where they literally put me in a senior Sunday school class when I was in my 30s because there was no there was nothing for me mm -hmm. and you know I've been to church after church where there's like five or six week series on marriage and family and and I'll, I'll be honest I'll just be very raw with you it has been very painful mm. because yeah I'm in a place where I'm almost 50 and it's a grieving thing mm. it's not something that I would have chosen but I happily submit to Christ as my Lord and Savior mm. and I want to embrace with contentment and grace um, but at the same time we've got a demographic of people who are not feeling like they belong or that they're worthy or that they're valued. Yeah. And I don't think it's intentional mm -hmm. at all. Um, but I, I tend to ring that bell quite a bit, not because I want to be known as the person that advocates for singles, but because nobody else is, yeah. is ringing that bell. And so I'm very thankful for, um, you know, churches who, start thinking through 
the sacred siblings in cultivating a family. So not getting away from nuclear family and that value, but including singles to that. So mm. um, as a single woman in leadership, um, you know, everybody always assumes you have a spouse. And so that's real awkward. And yeah. then, <laughs> and then yeah. you, you know, and how are your kids? And so it is painful, but at the same time, um, I would have never been able to do the things that I've been able to do for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. If I had a family, I would not have chosen, you know, I would have chosen, you know, priorities would have been my family. Yeah. So even though I have great grief that I don't have that nuclear family, I have great joy in all of the opportunities that I've gotten to do. Mm, yeah, so good. Okay, so I want to get like down to the nitty gritty. Um, and this is going to kind of be vulnerable, but like what phrases or what things said sting that maybe like, again, you said it's not intentional. It's not in any way to like um, make anybody feel bad. But I think that there may be just kind of common phrases or understandings that are kind of thrown out. So what are some of those phrases that especially those of us that are wanting to come alongside and encourage our single women and cheer them on? Like, what do we not need to say? And then what are some things that are really encouraging and that we do need to say more of? Um, well, I wouldn't it's not necessarily, I wouldn't say it's necessarily um, words, although mm. sometimes it can be. Mm -hmm. I just think it's a culture, mm. uh, just a, a culture of including um, and valuing, cultivating um, belonging and mattering. So yeah. um, helping singles to know, you know, in, in thinking of them. So for example, uh, one Sunday at, at our church, at this, not my current church, this is years ago, um, they said, okay, everybody gather as a family and pray. And they had, I mean, it was a beautiful sentiment, but there were two or three of us who were single and we're just sitting there by ourselves. Mm -hmm. So what I would have said yeah. <laughs> is gather together as families and, and pull in those around you as, you know, sacred siblings and let's pray together, you know, or mm -hmm. even in promotion, I saw one of our church planters, um, you know, promoted, be a part or bring your family to, to Easter. Well, okay. What about the singles? Yeah. What, what about rephrasing that to think about, uh, be a part of our family? Mm -hmm. You know, just mm -hmm. being more inclusive in, in every, you know, in the way of being. And I think the best thing to do is just to ask the singles that are around you, how can yeah. we minister to you better? What are some, some pain points for you? So for me personally, I know that I'm a rare bird. So I wouldn't say that, you know, the church needs to reconstruct their, their yeah. you know, practices around me. But I would say doing a six week series on marriage leaves at least, you know, the students aren't, are checked out, you know, the, mm -hmm. the young, young folk are checked out this, you know, the, the, uh, college students. So I would think that, you know, if you do like a series on conflict, do, you know, do a series on conflict. Like I had yeah. a pastor one time, I would avoid every Sunday that he taught on marriage. And, and I know that's wrong. And he would call me on my cell phone and say, Tiffany, you're coming tomorrow, right? And <laughs> I would say, no, I'm not. 
And mm. he said, but you have principles to learn. And I'm like, teach the principles, teach the conflict. Don't mm. teach on marriage, teach, mm -hmm. you know, so mm -hmm. I can listen to, you know, um, obviously value family. Um, so, you know, talking about marriage doesn't bother me, but a six week series on conflict in marriage does bother me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and I think it's just a good reminder that, you know, it's so easy to know our own stories, know our own perspective, and to kind of lead out of that, you know, and so I think constantly having voice voices and people from all different ages and backgrounds and life stages to where that's part of being the beauty of the body that they remind you of, okay, how does this phrase or this sermon land on you and how does it affect you? And maybe you're not in that life stage, but how does it, um, how are we championing you, you know, to yes. whether it's in the future or how are you helping those that you know that are married? You know, like it's not just for a husband and a wife. And right. so I think it broadens the, the tent a little bit to where it makes you think outside of what is so structured and what is yes. so rigid. And so, and I think we need those voices. And I know just being a woman, I think even just being a member of a church as brothers and sisters, anytime that you've got somebody come to you and say, what does this, mean to you? You know, like how has God um, landed for you on this topic and just being willing to listen and invite in that conversation and that perspective, that always makes people feel seen and heard. And so um, I think it's a really good reminder for us that as leaders, whatever spheres that we're leading in, like what different voices, um, how are you even like leaning toward people that look like you, that talk like you, that have the same experiences as you, and how are you leaning? away from that a bit to be able to invite other people in to give different perspectives and life story mm -hmm. to that. That's so, um, and that's the church. That's the beauty of the church and the beauty of family. And so I just, I really appreciate that. I know that's hard, like, and um, I'm probably, like I said, a bit vulnerable to be able to share just where it stings a little bit and maybe where we can improve. But I also think that that's the, the first step in us being able to do better. Um, and so I hope that y'all will take into consideration just a slew of different people that we oftentimes can just not consider at all. So um, it's really, really good to hear. So we are <laughs> crazy running out of time always. So I want to kind of throw throw it at you just to kind of end and wrap up for us. But I mean, you've got so much life experience. You have so much training um, and God has just done so much in your life and used your gifts and those kind of things. And I know you've got a heart for women in leadership. So I want to kind of throw the last question at you of just how would you encourage our SBC women right now? And whether it's development or using their gifts, you know, those kind of things, what would kind of be your final leadership nugget um, to encourage them and to cheer them on and to keep going. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can do as much development or school or, you know, get as much experience, but all of those things fall away mm. without the power of Christ. So um, I would just go back to John 15 Five, where it says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Yes. If you yes. remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so I would just encourage you to believe that. Mm. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing, no thing without him. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So the fruit that results from this achieving, you know, without abiding, you know, to step out of the presence and power of God into self-reliance or, you know, our own strength doesn't produce the fruit that we want. Mm-hmm. So I would just encourage, you know, us to, to practice the rhythm of being rather than do- doing and learn to abide. Girl, that's been like what Jesus has been honing in on me for the last year and a half. And so um, you're stepping on my toes, but there's also um, lots of praise hands and amen and amen. And I think I'm having to learn that the hard way over this last year. And so I, I appreciate that so much. I think it's a needed truth and needed stake that we constantly need to go back to because as women and as women in leadership, like it's so easy to get overtaken by the doing. And so I love that to just be with Jesus, abide, lean in, and trust him with where he's taking you as the next steps of faith and obedience come along. So man, friend, it's so good to see you. And it's it's good to see you as a a non-blonde and to hear (laughs) just all that God is doing. I mean, I'm team brunette all the way. Um, And so... I just appreciate you. I thank you so much for your time and your willingness to share your story. And I'm so thankful that you are in our tribe. And thank you again for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Yes. So, and as always, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of At the Table. I hope you will join us next week as we invite on another woman in leadership and know that we are praying for you. We are cheering you on. And we are so thankful that y'all are in our tribe. Keep going. You have been listening to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in kingdom mission. Thanks for listening.